This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Our first show of 2024. It's uh, the 5th of January, 2024. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country. We've been uh, wrestling with Internet issues down here again, so it has been um, a bit of a struggle. Uh, they, ca- they We were supposedly going to get fiber uh, here by the end of 2023 it has not happened. Uh, they tell me that uh, we're still uh, we're still in the uh, in the pipeline, and it should be coming soon. But you know, it's it's kind of gotten silly. But here we are, um, 2024. We've done almost uh, we're cl- close to a thousand shows of uh, the the wake up call and. Uh, I am uh, appreciative for all of you that uh, have hung with us, I, especially the sporadic schedule that we've had to keep uh, the last several months or, or last couple of years, actually, with the uh, with the move down here to Western North Carolina and the uh, tin can internet. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, so uh, Dan Zampano coming up here in a few minutes uh, to talk NFL football. Um, a lot of stuff has happened in Major League Baseball, especially with the Red Sox making that trade with the Atlanta Braves to send Chris Sale to the Braves. On the face of it, I was not happy. <laughs> i got to be honest. Uh, now, look, we understand that he's been hurt uh, from between 2021 and 23. He only made uh, 31 starts. When I mean, you think about this, he made uh, 30 starts back in 2017. Right. Uh, so... It, you know, and and look, he acknowledges, as he said in an interview yesterday, he didn't hold up his end of the bargain with the Red Sox, and he has no ill will. He had to waive his no trade to even go to Atlanta, um, restructured his deal so that uh, he makes less money this year, but he, they add another year to the contract. Uh, the Red Sox had to shell out, uh, I think, seventeen million dollars to the Braves uh, to get Vaughn Grissom back. Look, this is a, in my opinion. Maybe I'm going to be proven wrong. I think this was a win for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they get a guy like Sale who, if he is healthy, is going to be make that team even better, right? Um, and they get another year of control of him. You know, now maybe, maybe he flames out the same way he did with Boston, but who knows? I mean, there's no way to tell. And the Braves gave up a guy they didn't have a spot for. With Orlando Arcia and Ozzie Albies in his way, Vaughn Grissom wasn't going to get playing time with the Braves. Now, the Red Sox, obviously, they get a second baseman. He is not a defensive wizard. His, his defensive metrics, uh, as the, uh, the eggheads call it, uh, grayed out to below average. Uh, maybe average at best. Now, you hope that that's something that can be worked on. 
he's what 22 years old his bat to ball skills and his eye is uh, above average uh, you know he he grades out to probably be a very good hitter but he is not going to be a great defensive second baseman so you know so on the face of it you know i think the Braves win this trade We'll see. I mean, you know, if, if Chris Hill makes five starts for him this year, then, you know, maybe we, we, we revisit that. Because my concern is the following. Look, the Red Sox, yes, Chris Hill has been hurt, but the Red Sox need pitching. We all recognize that they need starting pitching. We can, I, Look, the signing of Lucas Giolito, great. You know, except that he now becomes your number one or your number two. And this is a guy who the last couple of years hasn't been very good. Now, he made 33 starts last year, which is great because, you know, he's going to eat innings. But he had an ERA of 4.88, pitching for three teams, the White Sox, the Angels, and the Guardians. Now, he went through a divorce last year, which, and after he got traded, uh, you know, and was going through that divorce, his, he just imploded. You know, so maybe that was part of the equation. Don't know. But. Uh, Look, he's saying all the right things. He says, you're never going to see me slacking off. You know, I've got to get my consistency back. Um, he said, you know, last couple of months in the season last year, he was moving around, got into some bad habits. Uh, and he said that uh, this offseason he's been getting back to the basics. Great. Uh, look, you know, and here's the thing for the Red Sox. If he doesn't work, it, it, it's going to be a one-year deal, right? I mean, it, it, he's $18 million in base salary this year with a million in, uh, in incentives uh, Giolito does have an option for 2025 where he would make another $19 million. If he refuses it, he gets a buyout worth one five. You know, the thing is, is if Giolito come in and is great, he can opt out. The Red Sox have him for a year. He gives him a great year, and he's gone, <laughs> right? But who is going to be in that rotation behind him? And, and, I, and I'm not sure that he's the answer, but where do they go? Is it uh, Shota Imanaga, the, the, uh, the guy from Japan who's 30 years old? This is not the Yamamoto uh, kid that signed with the Dodgers that everybody wanted. You know, Now, uh, Imanaga had some great numbers in Japan. He had an ERA of about two and a half last year, pitched 160 innings. But it's Japan, and he's 30 years old. You know, uh, and, you know, look, reports are that he's going to command a salary uh, of around $100 million. Now, obviously, you know, I don't know how many years that would be, but he is not going to be cheap. Um, do they go after Blake Snell? Do they go after Jordan Montgomery? I'm not really thrilled with either one of those options. Blake Snell walks far too many guys and nibbles far too much for my liking. Uh, so I'm not sure that that's the answer. I don't, so where are we going? You know, is there a trade in the works somewhere? Now, there's some talk that they may trade Kenley Jansen to free up more salary. Uh, and the whole salary thing is, you know, look, the Red Sox have, you know, $30, $35 million right now, even with Kenley Jansen, that they can go out and use to sign a couple of pitchers. You know, uh, you know, look, and we understand that for you know a guy like Blake Snell, you're not getting him for – you know, $15 million a year. You're going to have to spend money. If you spent 19 or 18 on Lucas Giolito, a guy that uh, is a Cy Young Award winner is going to cost you a lot more than that. So do they have to dump the salary of Kenley Jansen, who's only got one year left on his contract, and I think, you know, what, $15, $18 million to free up more money to sign a Blake Snell? I don't know, but I know this. Look, Brian Bale was great, but he's still a kid, and he was inconsistent, and at the end of the year he struggled. Uh you know, Cutter Crawford, 
Tanner Houck? You know, Nick Pavetta? Whitlock? I mean, you look at all those options. Josh Winkowski? Look, that's not striking fear into the hearts of men, ladies and gentlemen. We saw, And we saw last year with this starting rotation, couldn't even pitch five innings. So if they don't fix this, they don't fix the starting pitching, we're right back where we were last year. So I'm worried. I'm very, very worried about where they're going. Um, and I'm very worried that, you know, we, we keep hearing about the penny-pinching John Henry. I hope that that's just media rhetoric and is not really true. But I guess we'll see. Uh, you know, but, but I, am, I, have, I have definite concerns over where the Red Sox are going with the pitching. They have got to do something. And I know I'm not, like I said, I'm not high on Blake Snell. But you know what? If it's Blake Snell or bust, give me Blake Snell because – <laughs> he's going to be a step up from from where we were. And look, you know, and and uh, with Martin in the bullpen, and uh, you know, some of these other guys that you know, and maybe Tanner Houck. If you sign up Blake Snell, you put Houck in the bullpen because I think he's better there. Uh, or maybe Garrett Whitlock goes back to the bullpen, so you can overcome a trading of a Kenley Jansen if you need to do that. So we'll see. Uh, but I I definitely have concerns about where they're going. But at least they're doing. Something, you know, it took forever, but Craig Breslow finally starting uh, to make some moves for this Red Sox lineup. It's 15 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano will join us to talk NFL football. Back in a minute, you're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call, and as we are every Friday, we are pleased. Well, actually, I should I say every Friday, but we did not have him here last Friday. The holidays kind of got in the way, but Dan Zampano here to talk NFL football. And, Dan, uh, we're coming right down to it. Uh, most of the playoff spots are determined, uh, but we've still got some games this week that are going to mean an awful lot. And uh, uh, I'm sorry we didn't get you on last week, but uh, I'm really glad that, that we have you this week. So uh, let's get it rolling. So excited, Gene, to be back. Uh, you know, of course, our families had to get in the way of football. What the heck? But, uh, you know, we obviously venture forward as as we always. It's always fun in the holidays. And now we really get to see the pedal to the metal, the cream of the crop. Who wants to go to the playoffs? I mean, this is the most exciting time in the NFL. And, and next week we're talking full-fledged super wild card weekend. I mean, it can't get any better than this. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's get into some of the things that happened last week. And I got to start with that Cowboys-Lions game. Uh, I mean, look, it turned out to be a nail-biter. But at the end of the day, I think the Lions got jobbed. And the NFL thinks they got jobbed, too, because they spent the entire day uh, yesterday or the day before trying to tell us why the referees made the right call, except when you talk to the players, you find out, no, they didn't make the right call. Uh, This is just another (laughs) example that we have had all year of NFL officials blowing games. Yeah, it sucks. And, and you know, as usual, guys like Brad Allen get in the way, and now uh, we get them on, I think that refereeing crew is on the Saturday night Colts-Texans game, which is a massive game oh, for wow. playoff implications. So that is, you know, I mean, and they reward them of all things. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous, totally ridiculous that the referee messes something up that's before the game. I will say that the Lions – you know, with them going in with another lineman telling them that there's another guy that's that's eligible, 
it, it's kind of trickery gamesmanship type of stuff, right. you know, so you kind of get what you pay for with that one. But, you know, again, these officials, we've consistently said this, they have, if we could actually, I think it was a really good point made earlier this week. I would rather see more officials on in the booth and uh, monitoring like what guys are saying yep. than just making them full-time officials. And, and unfortunately the owners have come down in their pockets, which would be absolutely nothing for them, but they could totally do it and they just won't do it. So, and we get things like that. So now the lions with a very, very small shot to get the number two seed, but they do have a shot still. It, right. It's a shot in the dark, of course, but right. they have a shot. Well, I mean, look, you know, uh, it's been a magical run for them, and and it would be a shame that they if they don't get it. And at the end of the day, I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. Um, but you know, it it would be a shame if if that's the thing uh, that costs them a chance to maybe get to the Super Bowl. Although a lot of people got to get through San Francisco first, but uh, we'll get we'll get there in a second. So, but I just had to bring that up well, because it just it's just been one thing after another with these officials this year. I can't remember a year where we've had so many controversial calls. I, I, I hear you. I definitely hear you. In my opinion, though, I would say this. That game, the thing that gets lost about that game is the absolute mismanagement by both coaches of the end of that game. Okay. I mean, McCarthy throwing the football on right. second down. Yeah, what was he doing? When all yeah. he has to do, I mean, yeah. that was ridiculous yep. that he was doing something like that. And then, you know, you get that call, right, on a two-point conversion. Right. And, and you say, okay, now we're backed up to the seven yard line on a two point conversion. Right. Why are we going for it? Right. You know, yes. I mean, like, what, what's the point? At yep. this point, you know, kick the extra point. Let's go to overtime. You've got some momentum. You just drove the field in under a minute. Right. I mean, it just didn't make any sense to me for both of those coaches. And to me, you know, you can't get, I mean, one can't be dumber than the other. You know, it's just, it's totally ridiculous. That's a good point. That's so, a, that's a good especially, point. especially if you got Cowboys minus six, like I had, I was so frustrated. <laughs> so, that was, that was rough. That uh, was tough. Well, uh, yeah, let's, uh, the other game that, that I, I that we got to talk about is the, the legend that Joe Flacco is becoming again, uh, in his, in his, uh, second go round is, as he just continues to play lights out. I mean, this guy's ridiculous. He's got what is it, four three hundred yard games already? Yeah, I mean that's Incredible. insane. That's insane. The guy's thirty eight years old, and by the way, he was on the Jets last year and stunk. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't him that stunk. Well, that I'll just well, put it is, that way. Is that. But <laughs> that's you fair. know, I, yeah. I'm just gonna. Float that one out there. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, to me, it, if I'm voting on NFL Comeback Player of the Year, yeah. I think we really got to take a hard look at Joe Flacco. Yeah, you know, it, like I get, I, I get Demar Hamlin, and I get that whole thing, and you know, nobody's ever going to do. That's an incredible thing what he did. Yeah, but if you're talking about on the field, right? Like Joe Flacco deserves this award. It's almost sacrilege to say it because of the story that DeMar Hamlin is, but let's be honest, DeMar Hamlin hasn't played in most of the games. And when he has, it's been very right. sparingly. So, it you know, it's a great story and I feel like I'm somehow being I'm a schmuck for even suggesting that he shouldn't win it. But my god, uh with what Cleveland has done with Joe Flacco at the helm, I I almost don't see how he doesn't win it. Right. You know, and and if you think about it, Gene, I mean, what do you do with Deshaun Watson now here? Well, I mean, I think you've really got to sit here and think, okay, 
Deshaun Watson's money's guaranteed. You're not moving him. But no. what are you, you know, I mean, who are you surrounding him with? Like, you legitimately, I mean, think about all the injuries that yep. the Browns have had mm-hmm. this year from their two left, their two tackles to Nick Chubb yep. to Deshaun Watson. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And yet, a 38 year old quarterback was able to orchestrate this run where they have 10 wins. Right. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. That's unbelievable. So you really got to look at yourself in the mirror as an organization and says, why did this happen and why wasn't this happening with our starting quarterback? Right. And really assess that because the Browns are legit. Right. If they can if they can get a favorable matchup, and they probably will have one, they'll probably have an AFC South team like yep. Jacksonville or the Texans or Indy. They'll have a favorable matchup. You watch out. They can make a lot of noise, especially how good their defense has been playing. To be clear, you're not saying that the Browns need to drop Deshaun or, or put Deshaun Watson as the number two and bring Joe Flacco back next year. They need to look more at the uh, what, why a 38-year-old quarterback was able to be more successful than Deshaun Watson. Is that is that what you're saying? Right. Yeah, okay. 100%. And they need to work with Deshaun. Well, there's no moving Deshaun Watson. I mean, that's, right. that's out of the car. Nobody's taking that contract. I know. Right. And no, and and why? And his money's guaranteed. So I mean, what are you going to do? Have him sit? I mean, right. it's may it's maybe the worst contract ever signed. <laughs> if you really yeah. think about it, yeah. it might be the worst contract ever signed. Well, that's fair. That's fair. And you know, how about this? You know, and we've we've gotten to a point where Joe Flacco's not even on a roster for most of the season, and yet now Joe Flacco is so important that he's not even going to play this week. Right? They're going to sit him so he doesn't get hurt. As they should. As they should. I mean, can you imagine him story. going into Baltimore? What a in, story. In, in the divisional round? Oh, Lord. Just imagine. Lord. Just imagine. Oh, Lord. That would be a great story. Um, I, I want to talk about this game briefly. I don't want to belabor it because the Patriots are so far out of it, it's not even funny. But if you, you know, we were all like, okay, Buffalo is, you know, Buffalo's alive. Buffalo, you know, they're starting to do some things. And they stunk last week. Josh Allen was terrible. Um, you know, that game was a lot closer than it should have been. And, if you know, I know Buffalo's 10-6, and six, but, my God, you've got to be concerned as hell if you're Buffalo going into Miami this week. This is two weeks in a row that Buffalo has completely crapped the bed. Yes, I mean, after looking you great. It, it, you know, I, I, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, you look at – you play Easton Stick, and, and you can't score on that Chargers defense that, that has fired their guru, quote-unquote, and, and then you get Belichick. I mean, I get it. Like Belichick is, you know, going to coach that defense. But the Patriots have been so hurt this entire last two weeks. It's shocking that they've even won a game over the last two weeks with how many injuries they've had. Right. And on top of it, I mean, you had the quarterback throw you three interceptions. Yes. Uh, you know, so in the first half. So, right. I, you know, to me, I do. I have a plenty of concern with Buffalo right now. And, and you know, again, we're talking about the same thing over and over. It's Josh Allen backpacking this team to to winning close games. That was a dangerous win that they had, and I get it. You know, the story is definitely how Buffalo, and they should be concerned or whatnot. I will say, Gene, you know, I know that we've talked about this at nauseum, and we'll probably talk about it next week no matter what happens, but are we living in the last days of the Bill Belichick era? I mean, we we may as well. We might be doing that this week. Yeah, so yeah. that's an even bigger story that I think about when I when I think about that game. Is 
you know, he's had to answer all these questions this week and he's just deflecting and I'm getting ready for the Jets like normal. But man, it, it is kind of crazy how we are maybe at the precipice of something very big in the NFL. Uh, you know, um, you know, it still it still seems to be up in the air. I mean, some people are convinced that he's gone, and there's other people that still aren't quite convinced. They really aren't. And and I and I'm not yeah. quite sure. I'm not quite sure in what universe Robert Kraft actually considers bringing him back. What what has he done? Especially personnel-wise, and I saw. What did I see? Did I see something about uh, he hadn't like re-signed guys that uh, that he had drafted since 2013 after the third year or something like mm-hmm. that? It was something crazy. But so, so what? In what universe has he done enough without with, since Tom Brady moved on for Robert Kraft to say, "Yeah, this is the right move." I, I you know, I, I mean, you're going on resume. If you do bring them back, right. that's the key. And, and I think part of it has to be that there has to be a plan for the general manager. I mean, I just don't see how Kraft can bring him back fully as the coach and as the head of personnel. Right. And, and you know, if he is back at all, right? right. Because that's a big if. Yeah, big if, right. So, I, you know, I, I get, like, maybe he does deserve to be gone in a lot of ways. Um I, I think that the crash could make a good decision either way they did it. The question is, as I have said, if Bill is gone, who is in charge? Right. And you're not going to replace Bill. There's no question about that. But you can still stick to the principles of what Bill means to the organization as having them prepared. They're in every game. Like you could see it over the last few weeks. They have played right. a lot harder. Yep. They've won some games. They've been in games. Um, you know, where they haven't played well yet. They, they found ways like there's, there's, there's no replacing that, but there is recreation. And, you know, to me, if somebody like Vrabel or Harbaugh is out there to replace them, then, you know, you should take a hard look at that. If it's Gerard Mayo, you know, you're hoping that some of that magic rubs off. Sure. But you know, it, it is a risk, right? What you're doing. And maybe there are better places out there. So, this is a huge question of is craft re- is craft really at the end of the day when push comes to shove, does he have the stones to get rid of them <laughs> or will bill go into that office right. and say, Hey, this is what we're doing next year. And maybe, maybe he entices him talks, to one more talks, year. Talks him into it. Okay. I'll, well, you know, yeah. and I guess, you know, that, but then it's just a matter of, uh, whether it'll be just a coach or whether it'll be personnel, and are you going to let him pull the trigger on who your next quarterback is? There has to be a sweetener for Bill to to keep his job. I mean, he has to come in with something, and I think he will. I think in that last meeting, he'll try to spin it in a way that he says, look, we messed up the quarterback position. It's on me. You know, but we, this is how we're going to fix it. And I do think that he's going to approach that and give Robert at least a future plan to what he would do. And then it's in Robert's court. Okay. All right. That's fair. All right. Uh, let's uh, t- please explain to me what has happened to the Philadelphia Eagles defense. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you. I mean, th- and I'm sad that we did not get to pick games last I week. Know. This yeah, was I'm my sure. upset. This is my upset of the week. Was it really? This was my upset of the week. I, I had the Cardinals on our other show. I, I was going to take the Cardinals here. We didn't get a chance to do it. And the reason why is because last week the Cardinals came in and they were, and for over the last three weeks, 
They had been the second best rushing team in football. And the Eagles have continuously and continuously had issues on the defensive line. Uh, you know, we talk about their secondary and how, how brutal it is. And it is, that's been a weakness, but this has now trickled all the way through down to the front seven. And we were told that Jalen Carter, rookie of the year, Georgia boy, and Jordan Davis, big Georgia boy is huge, 390 pounds, six foot eight. Uh, we were told Fletcher Cox is a veteran and we were told all these great things about how deep their defensive line is. And I think the loss of Javon Hargraves to San Francisco has absolutely killed them. And I think the youth and inexperience of the defensive line in general, combined with some of the aging veterans, have kind of gone by the wayside later in the season because they've had to carry this defense. And the Cardinals just absolutely exploited this so badly uh, with their run scheme. We also had Jonathan Gannon. I mean, it was so ripe for an upset. Because Jonathan Gannon was coaching on the other side. He kind of obviously knew what the defense was going to do. Um, he's known, uh, you know, Sean Desai, and he's known Matt Patricia's scheme. I mean, Patricia looked like an absolute clown. Right. I mean, what else is new? Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, I mean, he just did the same thing over and over. Yep. It, it was unbelievable. They were getting so many yards in the first half, and because they were up 21-6 to six at halftime because they got a pick six, they didn't change anything. Right, and then you have the offense trying, starting to starting to to spoil with AJ Brown having you know issues on the sideline and causing all this ruckus and you know the leadership there. Where is the leadership on that team to right. say no? Enough is enough. Like this is a come to Jesus moment for the Eagles this week. They have to beat the Giants, and they really got to look themselves in the mirror. Like, look, we got a chance. We screwed up the division. We still have a chance here to go deep into the playoffs and win games. But we got to come together as a team now or it's not going to happen. Wow. Uh, Well, you know, if they don't beat the Giants, I mean, if they don't beat the Giants, there's going to be a coaching change. I'm just saying. Because that would be. Maybe. I mean, it's going to depend on what happens in the first playoff game. I mean, if they go to Tampa in the first game, like, you know, are we confident that they're they're beating the Bucs? I mean, you would think, right? But. I don't know. Now the Bucks look, you know, pretty good. They had a hiccup last week, but you right. know, I mean, if that's the team they got to go down to play, I mean, this is a different game than than what we played in week two. You know, this is a way different. These two teams are way, way, way different. Wow. Uh, well, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, now, look, nobody expected that that Carolina was going to win last week, but I thought it would be a struggle for Jacksonville without their starting quarterback uh this was this was uh uh, it was amazing it was so bad that the owner of the panthers was throwing drinks on the fans i mean this is this is a horrible situation i mean this is this is like burn the boats and just restart the fleet type of situation Uh, it's horrible i mean this is the worst team i've ever seen like they are legitimately horrendous on offense, they do nothing right. Their, their blocking is terrible. They can't protect their quarterback, who's five foot eight, can't see over the line. He's got to roll out to do anything. Uh, you know, they can't run the football. Uh, and, and then you've got an owner that's completely apoplectic, has no idea what he's doing, listens to way too many people. I mean, it, if you're a Carolina Panthers fan, if there are any still out there, I mean, you have to, you just have to be. 
like what are where where do we even go right. from this point? We have no draft picks. Right. Our quarterback is getting killed. We have no offensive like we don't have a ton of cap space here. Yep. I mean, you know, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> and and I think Tepper really has to just sit back and be like, look, we just got to hire somebody that runs the whole organization, and he needs to let go of the reins, stop micromanaging. He's a great hedge fund manager. I'm sure he is. He's made billions of dollars. He's got to be smart. You can't do football. You got to let somebody else do football or sell the team and just let it go. What about what? About, yeah, well, that's that's not happening anytime soon. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Well, uh, so I, I'd like to think I'd like to think we live in in reality, but we don't. So. <laughs> Now, th- this game had uh, slight playoff implications because the Atlanta Falcons are still technically in it, but, God, are they awful. But uh, the reason I want to talk about this game is it now it becomes, to me, more and more of a difficult situation every week for the Chicago Bears to decide what to do with that number one draft pick that they're going to have. <laughs> what do they do? Uh, what do you, if, you're, if you're the Bears, oh, what do you man. do? Uh, that's a tough question. I mean, you have, I, I think you've got all this potential quote unquote in Justin Fields. I think the question is, you know, can, is Caleb Williams talent wise an upgrade? Is he leadership wise an upgrade? Right. I mean, we really got to ask that question versus Justin Fields. And to me, you know, talent wise, I do think Caleb Williams is probably more talented. I think it's, it's probably, you know, pretty significant. The question is, is Caleb Williams talent enough to where you're getting the downside of, of, of leadership? Right. And you really got to make that decision hard. I mean, that, especially playing in a place like Chicago where it's really difficult and Caleb Williams has played in two high profile programs where he's won a Heisman trophy, but he's also had some weird struggles. Right. You know, uh, I mean, at least at this point, I do think you have to at least consider what's out there for your number one pick. I, you have to consider because if you can, you can really build really well through this draft if you do it right, and if you want to trade back to say like Atlanta spot mm-hmm. and let them make the pick, right? You know that wouldn't be a terrible idea, right? Okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I don't know because I just. I, it, I watch Fields, and yeah, there are times where you know you question what he's doing, but boy, his his athletic ability just sometimes with some of the plays that he makes, it just they're eye opening, and you go, you know, this kid doesn't seem like he's beyond redemption. Yeah, I mean, or you can make make something like this where you could say, okay, who's another team? How about how about the Denver Broncos? Right. You know, is that a team that would? that would entertain a Justin Fields, a young player like that, that Sean Payton can kind of mold into his own. That's got the talent. That would be kind of interesting, but I hear you. I mean, you you don't feel a ton of confidence with Justin Fields. Right. And then you get pleasantly surprised when he does play well. Right. But, you know, I I think that it's got to be somebody that plays to the strengths. And it's kind of like the Tua situation a little bit, right? Yeah. I mean, Tua was – very up and down, like sporadic when he first came out. And then he found a coach that just believed in him. And they put the right pieces around him. They've got DJ Moore. Can they put someone else in there to be able to add some speed to this offense 
or or maybe you know another running back weapon type that that they can really go after and say okay like we have a legit chance now in a legit offense where we're going to threaten and let Fields just kind of do what he does. He reminds me of a guy that needs a Tua type of coach or a Jalen Hurts type of system, you know, to to maximize his strength because I do think those two quarterbacks are bigger products of of their system than anything else. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, that's fair. It'll be interesting. It's going to be uh, that's you know that that's just going to be that's the kind of decision if you're a GM that keeps you up at night. <laughs> it's the kind of decision that gets you fired. Yeah, yeah, it's almost yeah, <laughs> you know. You're, yeah, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Sometimes, you know, you get fired if if you screw it up. But you're an, you're it's either it's it's you get it all or you get nothing. Right. You, you might get you might get all your flowers and maybe even get to a Super Bowl if you can do it right, or you get nothing. Right. Yeah, you know, that's, that's it. Uh, well, it, it, the uh, the Rams are kind of your sexy team right now. They're they're uh, yeah. You know, they're they're the team that you kind of like the way they're playing, and uh, they almost they almost let one get away last week to the New York Giants. Now, I mean, I understand it was a punt return late in the game that made it a little closer than it should have been, but that was a little bit of a pucker game if you're a Rams fan. Oh yeah, you were tightening it up there a little bit. Oh I'm no sure, question with with the Rams. Yeah, you know, and big old Gunnar Olszewski, a Patriot gone by, just takes it to the house. I mean, another guy uh, let go from the organization, but I digress. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'll say this: I I think that uh, I think that the Rams and and again, like you know, they're they're not a very deep team. You know, they're kind of you know the two stars. You're, you're going to get Stafford. You're going to get Cup. You're going to get Nakua. Uh, you know, those guys are made, but you're relying on Stafford a whole lot and McVeigh's brilliance. And then you're relying on Aaron Donald and the brilliance of their defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris. Right. So there's not a ton of room for error here. Yep. But we've seen McVeigh thread the needle and, and do some deep things. And I get it, like that 2021 team where they won the Super Bowl, that was star studded. But let's go back to 2018. I mean, they went all the way to a Super Bowl with a roster that was good, not great. Let's say that way. I mean, it was a, it was. Let's. There were probably some better stars, obviously now than or then than there are now. But still, you know, they kind of threaded the needle that year too. So you know, you've got pieces around you, and that's why they're so attractive because not only do they have pieces around you, but the quarterbacks are really the tide that lifts all boats. I mean, he is playing right. absolutely outstanding football. Right. So. If Stafford can do all the things that he's shown he can and go deep into the playoffs, McVay can very easily scheme against anybody. I I would be very nervous if I was a team like they're locked in, I think, to like they'll be the sixth seed. So, you know, if you're Detroit, you know, you should be definitely worried, especially you get Stafford versus Goff and the trade of the century. Right. The trade that made the Rams. I mean, that would be just epic. It would be just awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, that'll be fun to watch. Um, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Gardner Minshew. How about how about Gardner Minshew right now has the you Colts. You can't kill this guy, man. I, I'm telling you. I mean, he's got the Colts in playoff position. It is unbelievable. Now, look, they've got a tough game this week. There's no question about it. It's going to, you know, it's it's probably going to decide whether they make it or not. Uh, or actually, it will. So you know, but Gardner Minshew. I mean, if there's a more unlikely guy, and I'm telling you what, I think Gardner Minshew may be a more unlikely guy to lead a team to the playoffs than even Joe Flacco. 
<laughs> oh, man. I mean, if we're talking about Gardner Minshew in February, I'm going to lose my lunch. I mean, it's <laughs> going to be crazy. Yeah. You know? I'm I'm moved down into that RV he lives in in the off season down in North Florida. That's what I'll do. I mean, because something in the water that he's he's drinking. I don't know what it is, but man, this guy, you can't kill him. And and you know, it's amazing when they got Pittman back in the lineup. They looked like a completely different offense from the week before. Right. They're up. They're down. They're up. They're down. I mean, Pittman really makes them healthy. And when they have Pittman and Taylor on the field at the same time, forget it. Now their defense really got to step up. I mean they. They weren't able to stop anybody uh, the, in the second half. I mean, the Raiders just went up and down the field. They had no answer for Adams at all. And now they're going to get C.J. Stroud here. you got to remember, Indianapolis is in the top five in sacks in the league. They get after a quarterback really well. And they already beat the Texans earlier this year with Anthony Richardson. Right. So, you know, they're on this little hot streak, up and down kind of roller coaster. I mean, look out. I mean, you, you, just when you think that the Colts are dead, you know, they, they come back to bite you. I would not be surprised if, if they were one of the seven that, that get into the AFC. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks had a chance to wrap things up last week. They couldn't do it. Uh, they can do it again this week. But uh, that, <laughs> that division just continues to be an absolute mess. Well, if they can't do it this week, then they definitely don't deserve it, and right. they deserve to be walking walking back to Tampa from, from Charlotte because, you know, this, this Carolina team stinks. I mean, it's, it's terrible. You, they should win this one going away. Now, Carolina gave them problems earlier in the year. It was a closer game uh, than we originally thought. But, man, you know, I mean, this is this is – a team that definitely, again, has a chance to make noise. I mean, I get it. Like, it's surprising. We're seeing Baker Mayfield. But, yep. you know, Baker's played in playoff games before. He's won playoff games before. Um, he brought the, the Browns down to the wire against the Chiefs a few years back. Right. You know, it was close. So, you got to think. I mean, now he's got a much better arsenal. You've got Mike Evans. I mean, you talk about a Hall of Famer. I mean, that that guy is Mr. Consistent. Another 1,000-yard season for him. And, and they've had a resurgence in their running game, and their and their pass catching back. Rashad White has had an unbelievable last month of the year. Right. I mean, he's been incredible. So, you combine that, their defense is finally getting a little healthy. They got absolutely pants last week, too. <laughs> so, you got to think that they're pretty motivated. Right. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, if they can't do it this week, you know, you better send them on a pirate ship back to Carolina because that's the way they need to travel back from, back from there. It's horrible. All right, let's talk about the two best teams in the NFL. And uh, the, the team that's probably – I didn't see your power rankings this week, but i got to think the Ravens are number one uh, after they absolutely tuned up the Dolphins last week. I mean, there's no stopping this team. They're, they're absolutely uh, – uh, they're, they're next level right now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I still have the 49ers number one. Did you really? But I, I, yeah, I did. And, you know, again, this is mostly statistical, as I've said. But the Ravens, if you're going to just go by what you're looking at, I mean, sure. I mean, the Ravens pounded them into submission. A couple, what am I supposed to say about that? You know, right. so, you know, you got to think the Ravens, not only are the Ravens playing the best, but. If you like watch their locker room camaraderie after the games and what Harbaugh's saying to them, and yep. you know they just look like a team that loves each other. Yep. And that's that's 
that's the best thing about football. It's just when you have a great locker room, you can have fun the entire time. You've got a guy who they believe in to the death in Lamar Jackson, who has literally, you know, you look at Lamar's numbers and they're not like out of this world bananas, but he's just played quarterback better than anybody else. I mean, is there a better way to compliment somebody? It's just like that guy's a really good quarterback. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just does the job well. And that's all you've needed in this year of which quarterbacks that have legit talent have just let it go down their leg. He didn't. And, you know, I, I got to give a ton of credit to the guy. He's been even keel. And let's think about this. Yep. Eight months ago, we were talking about who wants this guy? I mean, who yeah, wants this right, guy? Right. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> the guy's about to be a two-time NFL MVP. Right. Like, who wants him? If you're Washington or Atlanta, like, you got to be like, what the heck were we thinking? Right. Not signing Lamar Jackson. Yep. For whatever he wanted. <laughs> For let, whatever he wanted. Let him write the check. I love it. I yeah. love it. Well, and let, matter, matter of fact, let him write the check and give it to him guaranteed the same way that Cleveland did to Sean Watson, and you'd look like a genius right now. Right. Yeah. You know. 100%. Now, he's got to win now. Now, right. he's got to back it up. Right. Because this is the time. Like, they haven't even been to an AFC championship game. Yep. So, he's got to really show it. They have never had a better chance than this year where everybody is so fraudulent. They are the one team that has stood above the rest, and they haven't lost in a while. Yep. So they have to get this done this year. Or he's he's got to prove he can have MVPs and whatnot, but he's got to stay motivated to just go through this entire gauntlet of what the playoffs is going to be. Well, now Brock Purdy, uh, you know, after having an absolutely awful game the previous week, uh, was Brock Purdy again last week? And you know, they they you know they did they blow yeah. out, did they blow out Washington? No, but it was they, it was enough, right? Um, it, it, he's had some hiccups, I guess. But is is do you really think Lamar Jackson's the runaway MVP right now? Yes, hundred percent. Okay, like right. I, I don't see I don't see Purdy like it, well, in that way. I mean, I'm not thinking we, Purdy. We saw it, like they went up against each other. Well, I'm not thinking Purdy. I'm thinking Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I love Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I completely understand like why people, and I would even get to why some people would vote for him. But you know, you again, you you take Lamar Jackson off the Ravens, and and it is just a, they are a great team. But it is he's such a weapon, you know, that is so hard to to prepare for, and the way he's playing this year, and the way the offense is. I mean, Todd Munkin deserves a bunch of credit for what he's done too. But listen, San Francisco is San Francisco does not have a problem offensively. Like they're right. fine. Right. Like they're they're going to be totally fine for this playoff run. They're going to get well rested. They're not going to play Trent Williams or McCaffrey or probably Debo and Purdy, and they're not going to play any of those guys for two weeks. Right. And and they're going to get healthy, and that's the legitimate chance that they have. That's what makes a one seed so coveted, right? You yep. just get health. But if you see them get down in a game in a playoff game against a legit team. Because now every team's legit. Yep. You know, what are you going to start thinking? You're going to think, hey, what's that stat about Kyle Shanahan's teams being down by eight points in the fourth quarter? You know, they're 0 38, right? You know, in that spot. So, you know, 
you cannot let up now. Like you had, you can lick your wounds. The Rams game and all intents and purposes doesn't really matter that much. You know, you got to just focus in on and watch these games and be like, look, we cannot stumble now. Like everything that I talked about with the 49ers, the last time we talked has been, they're an angry football team. They lost last year. They won it bad. Can you relight that flame? Right. uh, After a couple of weeks where you've lost an embarrassing fashion on on national TV, and then you kind of lacklustered through the Washington game a little bit. You got to find that fire now in January. Um, I know this team has a you know a a relatively tough game this week against Chicago, but you know your sexy team is the Rams. I'll tell you what, I don't know if there's anybody in the NFC right now that really wants to play the Green Bay Packers. No, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. I'm not. Look, uh, don't no, be fooled by this. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going crazy. I'm just saying that. You know, when you were early in the season, when everybody was ready to kill Love, you were like, yeah, let's pump the brakes, let's give the kid a chance. He's playing really good football right now. I mean, I'm not saying that they have more talent than anybody else, but they ran the football last week. Jones had 120 yards. Love looked good with the football. I mean, you've got to be somewhat optimistic if you're a Packers fan, don't you? 100% you should be optimistic. You have another quarterback. I mean, I have never had any gripes about Jordan Love. I said it, you know, I picked Jordan Love as an MVP candidate this year, like a lunatic, you know. But I, I saw something in Jordan Love that says, okay, his feet and his arm are connected. He's got the arm strength, and he's got the ability to make throws down the field. He's got the ability to read defenses. You can see it. He's using his progression. Like you can see it in his play. Right where his strengths are. That has never been the problem with the Packers. Right. The problem with the Packers is their defense is Swiss cheese. I mean, (laughs) it's horrible. And the only reason that they won that game last week in the way they did is because they were playing a rookie quarterback that had no clue what he was doing in the first half. And they were up by 20 20 points at halftime. You know, and then they got Nick Mullins, who, of course, is going to, you know, Brett Favre the whole game and try to just throw touchdowns and into tight windows. So, you know, I'm not fooled by the Packers. If they if if they make the playoffs, it's a big if, uh, then God bless Jordan Love. He'll get a great opportunity to see what playoff football is like. And I kind of hope he does. I mean, that would be kind of cool to see him, you know, how does he respond to that after watching Aaron Rodgers all these years, right? you know, in those, in those situations. So I, I think Love is an absolutely bright future, and I think the kid is really good. Next year is the time to build around them, though. It's right. not. It's not now. This is not a team that can do really is going to do anything in the playoffs if they make it. Um, now, uh, conversely, if you're a Chiefs fan, how concerned are you Oof. about the Chiefs? Now, you know, look, Patrick Mahomes was was better last week, but it was Cincinnati that's you know playing Jake Browning. And, you know, that was a probably a much tougher game than Kansas City would have liked. And if it weren't for Harrison Butker, they lose that game because they couldn't finish. So how concerned are you? Amen. Uh, I'm pretty concerned. I mean, you know, your receivers continue to kind of let you down. Um, you know, I like, the, I like the kid Rice. I think he's a legit, you know, decent receiver. I like Noah Gray. He's been playing the best tight end of anybody on that team. Uh, here's looking at you, 87. But, you know, I, I, 
I think the one thing that gives me some comfort is that defense. That defense is really legit. And, you know, and now that they're getting healthy, they got Nick Bolton back in the lineup. They've got their corners back. Chris Jones is playing out, outside of his mind. I mean, look, I think that the Chiefs have been struggling all year, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like those Patriot teams, right? Right. Until they're dead, they're they're still alive. And yeah. if if the Chiefs are in the AFC title game and they've got the ball with two minutes left in the game with a chance to beat Buffalo or to beat Baltimore or to beat whoever it is, you're going to be shaking in your boots. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and if they get there, if they get there this year, this would be a Mahomes legend, you know, like he's going to stamp, he's going to really stamp himself this year as just playoff legend. Right now. I don't think it's going to happen at this point. I just don't think they're playing, you know, cohesively enough, but playoffs just bring out the best in, in good players and right. great players. Right. And, and, and we really get to see who really is great. And this kid, if he's as special as everybody says he is, I am not going to doubt him. Well, how about you know, I'm just not going to do it. Well, how about this? I mean, think about this this, you know, possible uh game, you know, championship game, you know, with Baltimore and Kansas City and arguably the two best kickers in the game that really could be the ones to decide that with, you know, with yeah. I mean, that that'd be something to watch. You know, how about that? We're we're, we're thinking yeah. about watching kickers instead of watching quarterbacks. <laughs> that isn't that football. That's the NFL this year. Is kickers uh, over quarterbacks. Um They've got an outside chance. I think they, uh, I think they probably need to say seventeen hail marys and do a couple of novenas. But the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> still are technically alive uh, after winning last week. But boy, what a mess we have in Pittsburgh uh, with the quarterback situation. With the you know there were rumors coming out that that uh, you know the picket said, no, I don't want to be the backup. And he came out and said, no, that's not true. The trainer said I wasn't ready and I'm going to be the backup this week. And what's going This seems very out of character for a Mike Tomlin team to have this kind of, uh, these kind of things going on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, the locker room is just kind of riddled with guys that are unhappy and, you know, youth kids that, you know, need to understand, like, this is, this is a grown man's league here. You know, like you, you got to prove yourself and like pick it, you know, that kind of surprised me about him because he's pretty even keel. Um, but you know, Tom always has demanded that the standard is the standard. And, you know, you've got some really good players that have really piss poor attitudes right? Uh, on that team. And that's, that really is shocking to me. What's even more shocking is that somehow, some way, they are once again have a winning record. Right. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Right. That they were able to do that this year. So, again, like I said, I think you're right. I think that this would be a very difficult way to back into the playoffs. But it's tough to kill the Steelers, man. They're just a team that's kind of yep. just made out of made out of rawhide. You know, they're right. tough to chew on. Right. And. uh you know, I think that think that they could definitely get into the playoffs. It would be very difficult for me to see them going anywhere and winning, though. All right, well, let's get to the picks for this week. Um, and by the way, uh, we didn't have the picks last week, but the previous week you went four and three. You are back to five hundred on the season, my friend. 
We got let's you. Let's go. We got let's you to finish it. So finish it right here. Let's finish strong. All these games, playoff implications. Let's start with those Pittsburgh Steelers. They play on Saturday um, against the Baltimore Ravens at Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> Baltimore is a four-point favorite. I don't think that's enough. Even if they don't uh, play, even if they don't play everybody, I think Baltimore is actually a four-point underdog. Yes, I'm sorry because but of yes, the right. I, I could be wrong. No, about, you're right. Yeah, four-point underdog you're because right. they're not playing anybody. I read the right. wrong way. So they're not going to play. Yeah, they're not going to play anybody. I don't imagine that. That uh, obviously Lamar's not going to play, but you know, I don't imagine that guys like Odell or Jay Flowers or guys like that will play. But I'll tell you what, man. Let's not forget something. Last year. All the backups for Baltimore played like the entire year. Right. So, right. you know, this is not an unseasoned team. Tyler Huntley, you know, is a legit backup. Like, you know, this is a team that does not like the Steelers at all. You know, those backups are good. And the way John Harbaugh, like, coaches, like, everybody has to, you know, contribute at some point. And you're going to see some starters play. Like, you can't just have all the backups play you know, every snap. So some of these guys will play. I think the Ravens will actually play really hard in this game. I think the Ravens are going to win this game. Cause I, I just think that, I just think that even with the backups in the Ravens, just, they don't quit, you know, like the way they go about preseason, the way they go about games that quote unquote don't matter. I don't think they coach that way. I think the Ravens are just one of those teams that, you know, no matter what the situation is, they're going to try to go all out for their coach and all right. out for the locker room. So, I'm taking the Ravens, man. I just think the Steelers are just in weird, weird, dire straits right now, the way that the, that locker room is. Right. I agree. I agree. All right. Um, this next one, uh, Houston uh, at Indianapolis. Houston is a one-point underdog in this one. Gosh, man. I mean, this this is a tough game because, you know, this is – like I said, these are two different teams from when they were, you know, way back early in the season. And, you know, the Colts also had Anthony Richardson in that game. So it's hard to say this, but, you know, you got, you got Houston who has been unbelievable this year. And what a story, CJ Stroud and, and Will Anderson and, you know, guys like they just nailed the draft. They got Tank Dell, uh, who's not going to play obviously, but, you know, something weird inside me just tells me that the Colts are just not easy enough to kill. And this Texans <laughs> team, although probably more talented, right? Uh, that when you're playing against the cockroach, sometimes you just get too tired of stomping on it. So uh, uh, the dirty, disgusting Colts will just find a way to win. The most average team in football will figure out a way to win. I think the Colts win this game. All right. The NFC, a little bit more complicated, obviously. Uh, this first one, uh, a, a terrible Atlanta team, goes to New Orleans. Uh, but if I read this right, New Orleans is a three-point dog. Yeah. I mean, if they go to New Orleans, that's interesting that they'd be a yeah. dog. I can't remember. Well, but, I'm looking um, at it, and it says, uh, I, I, it says New Orleans minus three. So that would mean that they're a favorite. They're a favorite. That's right. So, so. yeah. So I know it's backwards. It's weird. It is, yeah. But anyway, uh, New Orleans being a favorite here in this game. Look, you know, Atlanta with Taylor Heineke has been much better on offense. Um, the defense has been underrated. There's no question about that. New Orleans is coming off a huge win. Um, it's kind of a quirky way they 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 need. 
they can have a lot of weird things happen for them to get into the playoffs, but so can Atlanta. So even with, without, um, well, they have to win obviously, but still, um, I, I find it hard for Atlanta to go into there and win now. Like I, I just think Atlanta has kind of overspent yep. what they want. And I think that the, that Arthur Blank is really more looking for a change and, you know, he could be coaching for his job, Arthur Smith. So, you know, I, I, I can imagine that they're going to try to play hard, but at the end of the day, I think the Saints defense right now is just, it's got its, it's got its way and it's got its grips right. on some bad quarterbacks yep. uh, or some average quarterbacks. And it's going to be hard for Heineke to operate against them. So I'll, I'll bet on the Saints here to, to pull out a victory. Uh, this next one, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer, I have to believe, but we got to talk about it anyway because it's, it's, a, it's a big game. Tampa can get into the playoffs. They can salute, uh, cement their spot if they win at Carolina. Tampa's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Is there any way they lose this game? Uh, no, and at the end of the game, they will go up to the press box, owner's box, and throw drinks at David Tepper. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's we can move on. Uh this next one, <laughs> this next one, maybe a little bit more complicated. Um, Green Bay, as you know, I was just trying to extol their virtues, and you were peeing all over that. But Green Bay uh, is at home. <laughs> they are a three-point favorite against the Chicago Bears, but that Chicago Bears team uh, is no pushover. So I'm going to take it that you would like the points for Chicago. Then is what I'm going to. I would because I that's, would. That's- yeah, me too. And I, in fact, I wouldn't just take the points. I'd take the Bears on the money line. I think that won really? this game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I think, I think the Packers is as good as they played last week. It's hard to imagine that that had anything less to do with the quarterbacks that they were playing. I think that this Bears team has found a way offensively to cope with what they have. They have DJ Moore now. Yep. He's a really difficult thing. How about the Packers dealing with the Jair Alexander stuff and right. like, the dumbness of him going out to the coin toss and yeah. what is that? you know like yeah. what are we what are we doing? Right. I mean this guy's total total clown and you know they've had a lot of weird stuff going on in that locker room. I I, I love Jordan Love. I think he's going to be a great player, but this defense is horrific, and I think the Bears are going to explode. And the Bears defense is playing a lot better too, so don't get that twisted either. I like the Bears here to go in and finish the season strong. In a weird way. And hey, remember, remember, remember the Bears have a crazy outside chance to make the playoffs. So well, they're yeah. not dead yet yeah, either. Well, it's pretty outside. Uh, but if, if, um, it, it, does it make sense in a, in a weird way that is, if it's better for Green Bay not to make the playoffs? Uh, no, I always think that, you know, you want to make a playoff. Okay. <laughs> Once you get in the dance, like you just want to get in, Okay. you know? Okay. All right. Um, this next one's really interesting. And, in, and this is the team that you <laughs> think you've said a couple weeks ago, you thought is a team that could go into San Francisco and win a game if they needed to. Well, now we're going to find out because the Rams are going to the 49ers. The 49ers are a four point favorite and the 49ers can't afford to rest everybody because... Oh no! That actually they can. They clinched the home field, didn't they? Even if they lose, they have. Yeah, home they're field. done. So, yeah. so they so they so maybe maybe it isn't quite as interesting as I thought. Now that I just looked at that, uh, are they going to rest everybody? I'd imagine so. I mean, we already know McCaffrey's not playing, right? So, um, you know, I'd imagine Kittle, Williams, Debo, Brock. They're they're not going to play. Okay. Um, you know, and Nick Bosa probably, and a couple others. So, you know, I, I think uh, look. 
it's weird though because you would think like, okay, yeah, the Rams should win this game. They're going to play, you know, a, 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 a light 49ers team. Right. But at the same time, you know, I, I believe I don't know if the Rams. I think the Rams have their spot pretty much locked up. You know, too. Right. Um, with Seattle's loss last week, I don't know if that's exactly right. So, um, you know, how much do the Rams play in this game? You know, and 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 how hard do they play? That's a big question too. So, I guess I'll take the Rams because you got to think, okay, like you don't you don't want to chance it, but you know, if they do have a spot locked up, I'd imagine that they probably wouldn't want to play Stafford that long. Right. Yeah, because I think I think they're locked into the six no matter what happens. Right. So, so it's weird, you yeah. know. I mean, they may they may just call the dogs off at some point here. Yeah, you could be right. Uh, this last one, um, you know, uh, I can't believe. I mean, I, I still think you know that, and you had them as as a fraud, and I'm still not convinced they're not a fraud. But the Seattle Seahawks uh, are at Arizona. The Seahawks are a two and a half point favorite. Oh, 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 oh. oh man, I wish you know. And part of me would have been like, okay, Arizona. You know, if they hadn't won this past week, I would really you know like them. Yep. Um, but it scares me a little. Yep. To say, okay, can Arizona go and beat Seattle? Right. Um. But Seattle has just not played well, you know? I mean, they got run all over against Pittsburgh, and you've got a really good running team in Arizona coming in. So why the heck not? This is the time where upsets are made. You know, let's take the Cardinals because we really? didn't get to take them last week. Okay. Let them beat another Bird team. I'll take the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, their run, their run offense is awesome, and <laughs> and they play off that with the play-action game. Right. And, you know, Seattle just can't seem to find a way – to get everything working together. Right. So I'm going to pick the Cardinals to win this game. Wow. Um, I wasn't going to have you do this. We're going to pick an eighth game because it, it makes sense. Um, uh, Buffalo at Miami. The, uh, the last to, game right? we of have the week. The, yeah. Buffalo, Buffalo is a three-point favorite on the road in this one. And, you know, look, Miami is um, – Look, they're the two seed right now. Buffalo is the six. I think if Cleveland loses, I think Buffalo can get the five, can't they? So Buffalo needs uh, either, I think it's Pittsburgh or Houston. Both one of those teams, I think, has to lose, or, or I think that's what, or I'm sorry, one of them has to win yep. uh, in order for Buffalo to just automatically get in. They'll, they'll be in. However, if both of those teams lose, then you could see Buffalo would either be the two seed and have and have the AFC East, or they'd be out of the playoffs completely. Okay. So wow. there, there's a huge scenario here Ooh. for Buffalo, depending on what happens right. uh, the day before. Right. So a lot of stuff can go right. A lot of stuff can go wrong. Miami, we know, is already in the playoffs. Right. Regardless. Um, no Jalen The reason why no, Miami's no, a dog. No Jalen Waddle. Right. No Jalen Waddle. Bradley Chubb is now is out, out for the season, right. which is brutal yep. for their defense. Yep. Um, so now they're down Chubb and Jalen Phillips. 
Um, they've played really good, uh, you know, so, solid defense the last few weeks. Um, and they did get they did get their one win against a quote unquote good team in Dallas. Right. Buffalo scares me because I don't think Buffalo is playing very well at all. Right. And you know this is this is a tough game, but Miami is at home, and that's where they've shined. And I picked them to win the division, yep. and I'm sticking to my guns. Okay. So give me the Dolphins, and I'm praying to God those other teams also lose to the Buffaloes out of the playoffs. That would be great. All right. Can't let you go until we get your prediction on the national championship game in the NCAA. Two great semifinal games. You, I mean, you you can't Excellent. ask for better games than, than we saw. Uh, and so now it is down to Michigan and Washington. Well, you got a great story. I mean, you've got Michigan who, you know, has had controversy, has had two consecutive years of losing in the national semifinal. They finally have gotten to the mountaintop. And now they just have to plant the flag first. Right. And then you've got Washington, who nobody gave a chance at the beginning of the season. They picked them as a top-10 team, but there was no shot that anybody was picking them to get to the national championship game right. with a quarterback that has been through injury after injury after injury and really probably deserved to be the Heisman Trophy winner at the end of the day. Um, he was absolutely outstanding. Uh, and all year long, it is going to be Michigan's heart and enthusiasm and will to win versus Washington's talent and culture and, you know, pizzazz that they run. It's going to be a fantastic game. But at the end of the day, you know who I'm going with. <laughs> it's about defense. It's about heart. It's about just playing together and smash mouth football because for the first time since 1997, the Michigan Wolverines will be national champions. And by the way, yep. if you remember in 1997 Michigan was co-national champions right with Washington that's right so oddly enough they now meet in 2024 for the right to win the national championship in our final four team college football playoffs I am just so super excited for this game Monday night is going to be the most exciting night for me and really the exciting day because we'll find out if Bill Belichick is fired and we'll also find out if Michigan can win the national championship. So it's going to be a wild day. <laughs> Dan, it's been great all season. Of course, we'll have you back for the playoffs, but uh, a lot of fun games to watch this weekend, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Gene, it's only up from here. Now is the time to win the game. you got to win this weekend, and then we are in the playoffs, and it's nut-up-or-shut-up time. Gosh, this is the best time of year. <laughs> Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call, talk about what happened over the weekend, uh, to set things up for the playoffs, and, of course, Dan will be back with us next week uh, to talk about the first round of the playoffs. I hope you all have a great weekend. Going to leave you this morning with some music from the Oak Ridge Boys. Uh, Joe Bonzel, the uh, uh, the lead singer for the Oak Ridge Boys on many of their songs, uh, has announced he is not going to be able to com- to finish their farewell tour uh, the degeneration in his legs. He really has trouble walking. He's had to get helped on stage um, uh, for the last uh, month or two, and uh, he has decided he just cannot continue. So uh, in honor of Joe Bonzel, great man, a great singer, man from uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 50 years with the Oak Ridge Boys. So we'll leave you with some uh, Oak Ridge Boys music this morning. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.